When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I've got a full house and I really am delighted to be speaking to Lawrence Conley, Liam Carrigan and Ian Conroy to discuss all things Celtic. Welcome back to the show, guys. Uh, Liam came in last minute a bit like a Celtic loan buy in the transfer window. Liam Carrigan, how are you feeling about all of this? Um, well, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm reminded of a quote from that great football man and scholar Ian Holloway. But he said, uh, after getting a result with Blackpool, he said, that was like a night out on the town. It wasn't pretty, it wasn't clever, but somehow we got her in the taxi at the end of the night. <laughs> where is he now? That's the way it's going to be. Where, where is Holloway now? These wee book, book of quotes. We always good for oh. a soundbite was Holloway. Um, and the type of manager that would be doing business at this uh, end of the transfer window, Lawrence, obviously there's been loads of talk about it. I think on Axom, we, we tried our best to maintain uh, some sense of calm, but we're now in the eye of the storm, Lawrence. It's the 30th. And the tagline, I'm just getting stuck right in here. I mean, I'm looking at um, the consequences of perhaps not strengthening any further. Do we have enough? What's your concerns, Lawrence, if any? I think at the beginning I said, you know, Rogers spoke about quality. Now, I wasn't expecting any more than, than two starters in, so... I'm not too sure if Coon's a starter, but, but, but let's hope so. Uh, you know, we're definitely leaving it late to get the second in. And I think we're, we're speaking to City about Sergio Gomez, that, you know, with a loan to buy. We used to do a lot of those deals with City, didn't we? Loans to buy. And, but there's a few other teams interested in him. Uh, you know, obviously, Owen Beck played for Liverpool. He's way back to Dundee, but I'm not too sure he would have strengthened the starting 11. I'm not too sure it's the quality. We've also spoke about the size of the squad that it needs to be cut. 
Yeah. There now seems to be a wee bit of movement and, and, and people moving out, which is uh, which is good. You know, players that perhaps, you know, Mikey Johnson has been around the next big thing forever, hasn't he? He's been out on loan and it's like, literally he's going to do it. Yeah. Hopefully that clears the, the way for some of, of, of many other wingers to stake a claim. And it yeah, might be more game time for the likes of Arthur if he signs his four-year contract. Mm-hmm. So sure we'll discuss that. Are we allowed to discuss that? Uh, a lot of people are sick of the, the sound of me discussing Rocco Vata, but obviously he's been in the news this week, Lawrence. And yeah. um, No, I, I take everything you say on board, but I'm going to run with the Owen Beck story. You brought him up there, Lawrence, and I tend to agree with that. I think, had we brought him in, I'd have been quite happy bringing him in, you know. Um, and I know I've been banging on about quality, but I think he would be a good backup. For Taylor, I think he, you know that kind of player at 21 years of age coming in. Taylor started coming into a bit of form, in um, obviously before his injury, of course. And my fitter on my Burnaby, I would have been pretty happy with Owen Beck under the circumstances. I think, I mean, how would you have felt about that? I know that the rule book said we can't, we can't do it. There's only one club you can go out to, and that's Dundee, you know, playing with two clubs in the one season it's unfortunate we seven minutes uh, under Klopp at Liverpool but how would you have felt if he was the left back that we brought in I think if we'd I mean I think this could have could have happened couldn't it we could have, we could have bought him and then loaned him back to Dundee yeah you know a la, so you know not, it was sort of one transaction when it changed but he looks he looks a promising player I think he's fourth choice at Liverpool isn't he and obviously with Klopp's announcement now that's, there's a lot of uncertainty so, so coming to a team like Celtic being second choice, even you know, or even you know, more likely, sort of potentially first choice, you know, in a not too short space of time, it must be quite an enticement. Um, I don't know how close it was. I've only read sort of the things in the sort of social media that we were quite close to to maybe getting them. Um, so I think he would. I mean, from what I saw of him, I only saw him when we obviously highlights of when he played us, or well, sort of the, the game when we played us. Uh, and read the reports, and the reports have been sort of positive. So I think it would yeah. have been a good move. He's at Liverpool, you know, so it's, it can't be can't be that bad. No, I was reading the other day there. He's uh, Ian Rush's nephew. He comes from good football and stocky, and that's right from our era, isn't it? Ian Rush yeah. um, signing for Liverpool. Who did he sign from? Is it Newport, somebody like that? And then he ends up going to Juventus, then coming back to Liverpool, and he never was it. And he had a, a brief spell at Newcastle near the end of his career, Ian Rush. But where does it leave us in with the left back? Because he was he was on a radar, um, Liam, mm-hmm. and we've not brought in a left back. We've ran with uh, Burnaby at the weekend. Um, do you have concerns going into this run of fixtures that we're now going into three away games with Burnaby being your, your left back, Liam? What's your thoughts on that? Because I said yesterday that you know that there is a drop in quality. And someone in the comments actually on the YouTube said, well, if Taylor is your definition of quality, I, I don't really know what you're expecting. But there is a drop in quality from, from Taylor to, to Burnaby, in my view. I don't think he's shown anything since he's come in. I, I, I thought this was the window to, to actually ship him out. We've kind of been backed into a corner due to the, the injury woes of Taylor and the fact we've not brought in another left back. We're going to have to keep Burnaby. Um, is there yeah. another option? I've heard the scales name being floated about as well. Liam? I mean... You know, remember, of course, that Rio Hatati can also play left back when he comes back. But we shouldn't be thinking, let's put our creative midfielder at left back. You know, that's not how, how you know, it's embarrassing that we're even contemplating that. Uh, we need we need another left back in. Even before Greg Taylor got injured, we needed another yeah. left back in. 
because, totally. like you say, Bernabe was heading out the door, not done anything to convince me that he is good enough to be at Celtic, and he's been it's been over a year now. You know, you can't say he's still bedding in or whatever. That's that time's passed. Um, Bernabe not good enough for me needs to be replaced, but it needs to be someone who's good enough to challenge Greg Taylor. And um, it's uh, you know it's one of those things that if we can't bring in someone who's good enough to challenge Taylor, then what do we do? Because I really don't want to have to depend on Bernabe. We got away with it at the weekend, but we were playing arguably the worst team in the league at the weekend. Yeah. Um, yep. And even then, they were a crossbar away from stealing a draw. You know. Bernabe concerns me um, because I don't think he is the quality that we require, Liam. I don't think he's got uh, the physical presence that we need going into some of these these tough fixtures. I mean, when you look at our, our run of away fixtures over the next uh, three games, Aberdeen, Hibs and St Mirren, and uh, obviously, you know, you've got, for example, Aberdeen, whose manager is really under the cosh at the moment. There's a lot of fans unhappy with him. They want Aberdeen to pull the trigger on it. Um, so they're fighting and punching and scratching for every point, Lawrence. And I think physically, I've heard the argument of skills. Now, I like their skills as I think the, the conversation about purple patches and flashing the pans can be put to bed. Lawrence, he's, he's a first team player. He's played really, really well. But yesterday I was talking about physicality. And if you've got a defence with Alistair Johnston, Liam Scales, Mike Navroski, Cameron Carter Vickers, you do certainly have that physicality. Uh, is there a risk, do you think, Lawrence, of demoralising skills? Or, as I seem said yesterday, do you think that he's grown enough as a player to be able to slot in more comfortably at left back? So, uh, I think the players around him certainly got a lot more confidence in him, and I think yeah. that helped him. You know, so if, if need be, I think we yeah we could push him out the left back. Got to Thursday, you know, we might sign Sergio Gomez. Who knows? Maybe he'll come in from Man City and and, and we'll get. Have left you back. got that on a good source? I want I want you to. To tell us, is this paper talk is a good source? Must not be, but yeah, it's a source, yeah. Oh. But the problem is there's other clubs in for them. So we'll see. And cities are not, not to, you know, on the, the loan to buy. You know, they would rather loan. But So we'll, we'll wait and see. If he comes in, you know, it's starting to look like a better transfer window. Maybe a wee bit short up talk and still do a striker. But, you know, we've been criticising the size of the squad. And obviously, Brendan's criticised the quality. So yeah. at least we're starting to, to cut it. I'm not too sure on uh, what percentages were in James McCarthy's wages that were kind of not back. But you, you, even if they're paying 20%, you know, 20% of something's better than us paying 100% of, of all his wages, you're kind of sitting going, really? And it can be good, you know. Ian Conroy's scratching his head. Yeah. Quite literally, Ian is scratching his head at that one. You brought up James McCarthy. I'm going to have to run with it, Lawrence. Right. Yep. <laughs> you, you and I have had disagreements on this one in the past, Lawrence, right? I know that James was a fantastic player. I would have loved to have seen us buying him um, at various stages of his career. I thought we should have probably had the foresight to buy him when he left Hamilton, you know, all those years ago. We could see that he was a he was a burgeoning talent back then. He went away and had a phenomenal career in England. Um, if a player's robbed of, of years or months through injury, it's a shame. Of course it is. But we bought a player who was at that point injury prone, prone due to the, the issue he had with his knee uh, or knees. And it has kind of panned out the way the, the, the data and the stats would have suggested Lawrence. It's not his fault. And I absolutely get it. Every time we talk about it, people saying, listen, we gave him the contract. 
right? He should be in no hurry if he wants to see it and, and run it down. But there's, it's twofold for me with James McCarthy. Uh, first one is, does he want to play football? Does he want to play football? Because at the moment, he might get a game for the B team as an overage player. But he's certainly not going to be uh, worrying any of the midfielders in the Celtic starting 11 between now and the end of the season. So does he want to play? And then secondly, how keen, like you were saying there, how keen are the club to actually make it happen, right? So I've heard in the past, speaking to people who are involved in football clubs, uh, that Celtic have in the past loaned out players where the the, the, the loaning club have paid £1 towards the, the wages. Now, I'm not suggesting that for a minute, Ian. I know there's got to be some kind of compromise, some coming and going, but surely a player not playing at all and you're paying his full wages is detrimental both to the club and to the player than if he was to go to a club and you're not getting quite what you wanted in terms of the percentage of his weekly wage. Surely you, you make that deal happen, Ian. Yeah, I mean, it depends if he would go as well. It was actually funny, funnily enough, I was reading something that, um, about the worst signings ever and it was uh, Winston Bohard or Bo- Bogard sort of came up, you know, and it was Chelsea's, or, I think it was classed as the Premier League's worst ever signing, you know. And if we break it down, you know, I mean, his 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 reputation took a battery. And obviously, and the question was you asked before, does he want to play football? Bogard was old, you know what? I was given this phenomenal contract. Yep. And I'd never make that money elsewhere. So, you know, coming from, I suppose, humble beginnings, I know obviously McCarthy was the end of his career and he's made a lot of money down the, in, in England. But he's been offered that contract and he signed it. And he's, you know, the same as Bobo as well, you know. Bobo sort of ran his contract down. and He did, so it's yeah. Kind of, if Celtic want rid of him, if he's hanging about the place like a bad smell, pay up his contract and let him go if, if he's not going to go out on loan. Um, but, yeah, if he's willing to go out to somewhere in the far-flung regions of Greece somewhere or, or Cyprus or wherever it is, get him away, yeah. Uh, you know, even if it is for a one-pound contribution. Um, but, you know, it's it's it's, be- it's better than nothing. But, again, it's all down to whether the player would want to go. I can't see him wanting to go, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I mean, where else does he go, Liam, I guess is the question, isn't it? I mean, we've been speaking about loaning guys to Scottish clubs. That seems like a decent enough gig for James McCarthy, you know, getting loaned out to a premiership club. If if there's one out there who actually want him up, I'm sure when you look at the nether regions of this league, there are teams out there who want the bodies in. He's got the experience uh, as well. What do you do in this scenario with James McCarthy? Are we going to watch him, I think, for another 18 months, Lawrence? Another 18 months on his contract, yeah. right? I don't know James's family situation just now, whether he's well, God, maybe, maybe he's kind of reconciled. You know, it was a last move in my career. Moved to Celtic on a free. And maybe he's just happy to see it out. You know, maybe, you know, because he was doing okay then. He came in for a few games. It was at Dundee United he picked up the injury against. That's right. Yeah. You know, what was the name, what was the name of the wee there. midfielder? He was a decent wee player and they sold him no long after that game. But I do remember that. Um, he got mm. injured. He was doing okay in the first half. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and and that was it. You know, we've, we've got a, you know, we've got loads of midfielders just now. So it's definitely not going to be at Celtic if he's going to get first in football. And maybe James has decided he's, you know, he's kind of happy with his family life. That was his last move. And yeah, maybe that's it. You know, we did sign him on a B, so I suppose that maybe that's why he got the five-year contract. That day it was free. You know, maybe when it was negotiated, say, well, you're not paying a transfer fee, so I'd rather kind of have a longer contract. Yeah, and um, obviously it's it's edging towards uh, that list of signings, Liam, that are deemed to be flops, worst signings, worst value for money and all that. 
And I do yeah. feel for the guy because he's a Celtic fan. His family are Celtic supporters. It's a dream come true. But, mm. you know, so man, I'm not getting a game. I'm not getting paid 16 grand a week wages either. It's like, I, I just think sometimes you've got to be ruthless. And surely before we, we've entered this window, one of the big things, as Lauren said at the top of the show, one of the big, you know, jobs for the recruitment team wasn't just to bring people in. There's got to be an onus on moving bodies out. And I know, and we'll talk about them individually, We've heard rumours of uh, Gustav Lagerbjelk, James McCarthy, David Turnbull, Mikey Johnson, Rocco Vata. There might be a glut of players at the end of this window leaving the club. There might be one or two. We've not even heard the rumours yet. But James McCarthy should be up there as one of the priorities, um, mm. in my view, Liam. He's a, he's a big earner. He's not going to play for the first team. Let's let's move him on. Yeah, I mean, the, you know what? I don't know McCarthy's situation. I don't know. Maybe he's very settled in, in Glasgow or near Glasgow, wherever he's living, and doesn't want to move. I mean, I, I don't blame him, you know. Um, as someone who finally was able to buy a house last year for the first time in my life, I like the fact that I've been stuck in the same place for six years now. You know, it's a nice place to be. But, you know, football is such that players do move and they, they should go where they get game time. But maybe he's just... You know, I've got this ridiculously big contract. I'm just going to sit on it, and I don't blame him for that. But really, I on I honestly think it's maybe not even worth talking about it anymore because McCarthy will be there for as long as he wants to be there, and it's our own stupid fault for giving him that contract. Who else has ever got a five-year contract in recent history at Celtic? I can't actually think of anybody. It's usually I think, I think the newest one's five and a half, isn't it? Nicholas Cooney. He he was given a. A bumper mm. deal, but you're right. Very it, unusual. It Very is, unusual. and regardless even of the injury woes, and and you know what he did, he suffered terribly from injuries in, in his last, I think it was five seasons at Crystal Palace and Everton. Even regardless of that, you know, edging up into that thirty-year-old category, Lawrence, young for the four of us, I think, maybe except Liam, but thirty as a footballer, you know, shelling out that kind of size of contract. We've been talking about it from day one being a being a. A bit of a shock, really. and uh, But he's not the only one, is he? There's other players in the news. What's your take on Gustav Lagerbjerg, Lawrence? Well, well, symptomatic, the, the issues with our recruitment team? Uh, Sean McCarthy thing could have... You know, Don no over here could probably handle the contract in the way in. We didn't pay a transfer fee for him. We've been buying him on about quality. You know, he, he was a really good Premier League player. And, and maybe it's not just worked out because of the injury and because of the emergency of other players. You know, Will Hattati, Matt Riley. You know, it's it's maybe just not worked out. But Lagabielka, yeah, big Johan didn't seem to, seem to rate him, did he? He said, you know, decent player, but but not good enough for Celtic. Uh, gets a Champions League goal. Wins a game for us, but uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to rate him. So move him out quicker. I, th- I think, you know, there's too many people hanging about the squad. I think James will stay, you know, he's at the end of his career. I don't, mm-hmm. don't know for certain, but I don't think he wants to go anywhere. So... That's it. But well, could be Elka. If it's not good enough, move him. Don't have a language in there. You know, we've got another, you know, Mikey Johnson could be moved on a long time ago, couldn't he? Uh, it looks like he's going to move now. Uh, but certainly, they're starting to get players, or interest in our players moving out. David Tumble being another. Yeah. As much as I don't think Tumble's got a future at Celtic, he's got a lot of goals this season. Uh, but, you know, and against the low block, he's shooting from distances decent. You know, winning a fight for the title. How much money would you need to get offered to lose a goal scoring midfielder who's one of your highest? I don't know if he's still the highest scorer, but he certainly was the highest scorer at one point. 
maybe one of the high, highest scorers in the team. So moving Turnbull on, I'd say, well, I'd be get somebody else coming in to replace him that, that's going to put those goals in. You know, uh, Kyogo is he's not in form. Hopefully, Kuhn changes that, starts providing him with a kind of service that he needs. You know, always away the Asian Cup. Uh, for the minutes he gets on the park, I think he does okay. But, you know, Kyogo's not been delivering. Brendan's really not got that much faith to know that Kyogo keeps starting over, over him and has got a really poor return on goals. Yeah. What does that yeah. say about Rodgers' return faith and all? You know, he's not giving the other striker the minutes. He's not. He's saying, well, it's clearly what my system or whatever it is, or the wingers, the service, it's not working for Kyogo. For Kyogo. What I'll do is I'll try the other striker. Remember, he gave him two games, didn't he? He, gave, he? he dropped Kyogo unceremoniously, didn't he? During that kind of goal-scoring lull, the drought, um, he dropped him. And I don't think O grabbed the jersey at that point. Listen, it was only two games, Lawrence, but he's seen him at training every day. He maybe doesn't fancy him. But on your point there, jumping onto the, the point of Kyogo and the performance of Kyogo, I used this example yesterday, Ian. I was talking about the way that um, we are currently playing and why we're unable uh, to break teams down uh, with the tempo that we had been doing previously. And people won't say, ah, stop talking about Ange. It's the team we can compare it to because it was last season and a lot of the personnel are still getting a game. What has changed is a big question. And I, and I point you to an example with McGregor looking up left, looking for an outball in the left wing. It wasn't there. And in the past, he would have had Jota and uh, this season, perhaps even Taylor doing an overlap or inverting inside to get the ball. It wasn't. It simply wasn't there. Uh, and I think that the way that uh, Kyogo's been doing his runs, the balls haven't been coming to him either, Ian. Um, and I've got a great deal of sympathy for Kyogo because what else can he do? If, he's, if the movement's there and he's getting into space and the ball isn't arriving, it, it really is a big issue, but it's beyond Kyogo's control in many ways, isn't it? Yeah, we've said it all season. We've not been playing to his strengths. And... Of course, what else are we going to compare the team to in terms of the tempo and the, and, and, and the, and the way we set up and the way we played? There was no... Ange didn't allow anyone to hide, right? And he was he had a blueprint. It's the same... We get on to like the, the same as the structure with the, with the setup with the owners of the company. There's a clear identity in what, in what Ange has done right throughout his career. Wherever he, wherever he goes, he'll fight, he's got a system and he'll have players that will fit that model and fit that system. And he's... He's steadfast with that, and if there's a player that he's got, to, he's got to, if you've got to wait for a couple of windows, he'll make the best fit, right? But added to the fact that he's got that system is your endeavour, right? And it's like he's clear in his message. It doesn't seem that since Brendan's come in, he's had that clear identity. Um, people seem that they're not entirely sure of what they should be doing, but certainly that pace is sped down, and it's like they've got an extra day off a week, and they're just almost foreign in a little bit you know they're slower mentally and I've said this before you know it's, so when, when, if you're you're bearing your feet have got to be the same speed and it's not happening and it, it, it's in a six month period it's gone to, from, from Ange and the speed and the pace and the run rolling thunder that he had to this now something's going on you know it's virtually the same team and virtually the same players you know so I think there's an identity crisis and um, Rogers looks he's, he's disengaged a little bit again. Um, yeah. So many things to talk about, you know. You know, you know my thoughts on where I think the problem lies, and it's the very top. 
Absolutely. And we are, we're going to be talking about Rogers, the disengagement, how he's going to be feeling when the clock strikes that magical bell to close the transfer window, Liam. But I, I want to talk about Lagerbjörk uh, because I think there's a bigger issue here. And in the socials the other day, they are, I said, right, Lagerbjörk comes in in the summer, we loan him out in the winter. Quan comes in the summer, we loan him out in the winter. It looks like Tilio, if he hadn't been at the Asian Cup, it might have already happened, but there's talk about him being loaned out. That wasn't part of the plan, was it, Liam? That is no. basically knee-jerk reactions. The gaffer's looking at what the recruitment team's presented them with, and we've already got them in the building, and he doesn't think they're good enough. So there's a bigger issue, in my view. Yeah, I think that you know it's it's all it's it's all very well for the manager to say, oh, you know, we're looking for players of a certain quality, whatever. I okay, but until we sign them, work with what you've got, and mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. really think it's fair to guys like Quan to, to basically stick him out to another team when he's played, what, less than 45 minutes for the first team. You can't judge a guy on that. And to give him his due, he's looked all right in a couple of games I've seen him for St Mirren. Um, jury's out on whether he'll ever make it as a Celtic player, but he looks like a, a decent enough footballer to me. Um, Tilio had very high ratings before he came to Celtic. The fact that he made the squad for Australia, despite not being anywhere near the first team at Celtic says a lot for what he achieved before he came to Celtic. Yeah. So re- regardless of what you think of the guy, he had pedigree when he came to us. So I do wonder how much of it is down to the players, how much of it is down to the players not being managed properly, because this this also feeds back into the Kyogo thing. Um, has Kyogo's form been its best? No. But have we optimised his form by playing a best formation that would suit his abilities? No, we haven't. And we seem stubbornly fixated on not changing this formula, no matter what. And that is what's really doing my head in. It, the thing is, like, if we get, you know, if we change things about a bit, and even if we get a couple of bad results, you can say, well, at least we're trying something. But right mm-hmm. now, it's just, it's just like we just seem to have the same boring nonsense. Of, and I said this yesterday on Celtic Down Under. I said, look, it's no good enough to just win games. You know, Brendan Rodgers said that after the game that we can said all week all I can do is all we can do is win the game. No, I'm sorry, but if you're the Celtic team, that's no good enough. You have to win with style. That's what we as fans demand. That's what we expect. We want to be entertained, not just bore our way to a one nothing victory against a team that with the greatest of respect we should be taking five off of. I'm going to use an example here, Liam. Uh, mm. because I agree with what you say. An example is Ronnie Dyla. Ronnie Dyla yeah. won the games. Ronnie Dyla won the league. He won two in a row. He won a double. Um, robbed of a treble. We'll talk about that another day, though, Lawrence. But what Liam's saying is, right, it, yeah, you've got to grind out a result. And before the game, from time to time, before the game, I, I said, you know, Rangers have gone out there. It doesn't matter how they've played against St. Mirren. They've won one nothing, and that's all that matters to them right now. But when you watch Celtic, even though people might think this is a slight contradiction, when you watch Celtic and the performance is so bad, and, but you've still won one now. It's like what Liam says. You're a crossbar away from drawing one each and dropping two points. And there is an onus on the style of play. It's always been there, Lawrence. And we get that you've got to win. I get it. But isn't Ronnie Dyla the example whereby sometimes winning isn't even winning isn't even uh, all, you know all that you want because you do want an identity, a style, entertaining football. We're not getting that at the moment, are we? Listen, we're in a title race, and uh, the teams far from firing in all cylinders. You know, that there's questions over a number of players. You missed, missed the, the penalty and the retake. Mm. 
both pretty poor penalties. Bernardo, yeah. how he's not going to actually on target first half, you know, to make it to now. Yeah, I think there's still questions out about Bernardo as well. And that, you know, another thing that we've made in the summer, and it could be that you, you know, Roger says he's lacking quality. And we'd all agree. And I'm not saying, you know, go out and buy six, ten million pound players or that. We've got the money that we could be adding. Two players that would be absolute standouts in the Celtic team and in our league. Give us a de- decent account in the Champions League. Yeah. I think that's where the frustration comes from. It's how low we're setting the bar, how much we're willing to spend on one player. Look at it, you know, we made Eduardo in alone and then bottled for 10 million. He turned yeah. a decent profit on him. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, and he was standout in the league. When was the last time we signed somebody that quality? That, that's yeah, right. really taking the squad up a level. You know, I, th- I think we were looking last year going, right, if we get another striker, centre half in as good as or better than Cameron Carter Vickers and a left back, Bertrand Taylor, we're doing really well. Arguably, we've lost five first team t- starters. You know, Moyes away, huge misses, Yakimakis, Juranovic, mm-hmm. Starfield. Rock solid at the back way with Starfield and Carter Vickers. You know, Who was the winger? Uh, Jota, I think. Okay. And Jota, go on. Yeah. So, the five players that have come in to replace him, better than them. I don't think that is in any one case. You know, no. there's one out of five where you go, oh, he's definitely better. You know, I'd, I'd say always look good in the little time he's had. Mm-hmm. He's not given a goal return that Yakimakis had. He doesn't have the impact on games that Yakimakis had. And no. I would say the rest of them, replacements are nowhere near it. As good as guys have replaced. So, it's no shock that the performances have went down. But, you know, within the club, they've got to be looking and going, well, what are we doing to identify people? Do we have money to spend? Maybe maybe there's a big plan for the, the rumoured 70 million we've got that we don't know. Maybe they'll expand the main stand. Maybe they'll build the fabled museum. What they seem really reluctant to do is spend adequately on the football side of things. Yep. You know the and, five players you mentioned, Lawrence, the five you've mentioned there, right? The one thing I would say, if I'm going to try and be balanced here, is at least we had O and Johnston in the door before Juranovic and Yakimakis left. That, that's the first thing I would point out. The argument would be, are they up there in the same kind of league as the two players are replacing? Well, O, I don't think there's an argument. And there has been a few arguments about Johnston over the period, but I don't think this season we've heard that argument that often. Is that fair to say, Lawrence? So yeah. with A2... There's probably a wider discussion. It's the other three that I pointed out yesterday, for me, are an even bigger concern. And I think that when you lose Jota for 25, how much did we get? How did how much did we actually get once the sell ons and all the rest of it were taken off? Was it 16, 17 million? I forget the exact amount. But um, we've spent 10 million since then on four wingers. And none of them, I mean, I'm not giving Kuhn a hard time, he's not at the minutes, but none of them have really stepped up to that level of standard. Moy. We lose Moy, we bring in three midfielders, we lose Starfield, we bring in three centre-halves, two of whom, actually, uh, one of them's away and one of them looks as though he is going to be in, away in Lagerbilt, Phillips in Lagerbilt. So I, I just think there's a big wider discussion to be had on the, the quality, there's the word, quality of recruitment, before we even get to the quality of the player, Lawrence. I mean, what's your take on it? Because we, we have discussions off tape and all the rest of it about what's the remit and who who's given the recruitment team the remit? Yeah. What part of that process is, is Brendan joining the discussion? 
it, it seems that uh, there's obviously a change this window from the summer uh, yeah. in Brendan's demeanour. And the rumour is that you know, he's, he's, he's taking more to do with it now. He, obviously, a lot of the recruitment was underway before he came back. But it is who sets the remit. You know, Brendan's been pretty clear since he came in. He needs quality. And yeah. you have quality players, that's what it's going short, short of. You know, the divine quality, somebody that stands out in the SPL is one of the best players. None of our signings in the summer have stood out as one of the best players. You know, you're looking at him. You know, one of them was to get injured, but you'd really be panicking. You know, if Bernardo was to get back, which was a cracking player then. You know, they run a four games where he looked okay. He got the goal, the goal against the Rangers, always buys him, you know, a bit of kudos. Just a bust the net against Ross County, didn't even get it in target. You know, it, it, it's I think it's particularly through the, the level of quality we're aiming at. You know, if we've got 70 million in a kit, they're looking for bigger wages. Why are you bringing in three week centre halves? Yeah. Why don't you identify somebody that's better than Cameron Carter Vickers? You know, we, we paid six million for them. Look what you got. You know, you know and I get there's the, the bar cast and the Ajetia argument, but you've got to be shopping at that level before you say that was five or six million wasted. I think we're probably wasting you know, 14 million or thereabouts on signings that just really are a bit meh. They, they haven't improved the squad, they haven't improved the team. But you know what? They've bloated the squad. Totally. And the way you know, and yeah. You can see everybody knows Brendan's frustrated. The board have got, you know, the fans are frustrated. How are the board feeling about it? Are they quite happy? Well, that's a good question. Look, there's a couple of things from that. Um, the first one being, if you, if you lose one winger and you bring in four, why not bring in two? I've always argued that, you know. And, and the Barcassa Yeti thing, we can't keep going back to that and be overcautious, Ian, because we made two flop signings in the season of to end all seasons where nothing went right that season. Um, how many of the signings that we made that season became successful at Celtic, you know? You could run through them like Saul and Duffy and it was a disaster from the first moment, and some of the guys just never recovered from it. It looks as though it's affected a Yeti's football career at the moment. He's clubless. Uh, Barkas has gone on and he's played some decent football, by all accounts. But we can't constantly go back to that, Ian, and say, oh, we're too overcautious. We spent five million before, and look what happened. Because we spent over four million on, on Kyogo. We spent over four million on Z uh, Noroski. And we spent over four million on Starfield. It, it doesn't mean you're not going to get a decent player as it's too much of a risk. Six million pounds for Carter Vickers and Jota. That should always be your argument. You know, because, okay, they two guys we've mentioned didn't work out a Yeti and Barkas. It shouldn't stop us from going into that level in the market again, no, Ian, should it? It shouldn't. This all comes, is, is all surely part of the remit of the, of, of the recruitment team. It's about player, when you put, profile a player, they might be an okay player, but can they handle the pressure of playing for Celtic? Yeah, it's a different level, and you look at you know Barkas has gone and he's by all accounts playing all right for Utrecht. The pressures of playing for Utrecht, I pause it, are not to the same degree when you're number one at Celtic. So that is a, a huge consideration, right? Also, when we talk about Carter Vickers and we talk about um, Kyogo, these guys are older, you know, 26, 28. So they're older, you know. So that, that also. When you, when you spend a bit of money on quality and also the guys are a bit older, obviously there's that they want to, there's less chance to sell them on. But you're getting you're getting, those ingredients are, are coming together to give you a better chance of success 
and they're hitting the ground running because you've got the experience under the belt, you know, the, that kind of composure, you know, and, and obviously they're all the heads, they're going to know what they're coming into in terms of the size of the club. So, you know, you'll have these freaks of nature or so these younger players who can handle the pressure at a young age, you know, or, or maybe they've, they've played lots of games at a high level for another club of a similar stature. So you can play a higher higher amount of money for, for, for a younger player. But it's never often you're going to get the two marrying together. When you get a younger player with lots of experience, you're going to come in and not be a lag of Yelka. You know, but it's like we're going in the middle point. You know, we're, we're, we're sitting on the fence almost and we're falling mm-hmm. short. And yeah. if you look at most of our recruitment over even, even the successes, taking the successes, our, our success is probably about 80% in the negative in terms of success rate. So even if you're spending a bit of money, you know, say you're only going to shop in the £6 million mark, for example, you're still going to get a couple of misses, but by by sure as hell, you're going to get more hits, I think, if you shop in that in, in that market rather than this kind of like spread betting, as I keep talking about, you know, but something's failing, you know, and it's it's you keep doing the same thing and repeating the same mistakes. Yeah. We'll get lucky every now and again by, you know, by law of averages, but, you know, we, we can't cheat it. You absolutely can't cheat it. And I think... Taking something Lawrence said uh, up there, and it's absolutely right, we have approached this window differently, Leon, because it looks as though we're being very, very pernickety with the players that are coming in. It's not shooting fish in a barrel. So on the one hand, I'm glad at that. But on the other hand, you've got to do it. Talking about the balance that Ian brings to the conversation, you've got to do it so that you actually bring in the players you need. And it's not about constantly falling back on this it's a difficult window argument. I've seen a few decent articles during the week saying, listen, if you want to do your business, you'll get it done. And if you don't get it done, you're not doing your job. And I think it's Celtic when you're looking at the title race, Liam, it is mm-hmm. absolutely a priority to get the business done. Um, if we do fail to strengthen, and this has gone from being really patient and really balanced at the beginning of January, moving into the middle of January, don't panic, guys, to the point where we've got a couple of days to go now. In fact, not even that uh, before the window shuts. What what are the repercussions, right? What's the repercussions on the team, our team standing, our league uh, placing at the end of the season? Brendan Rodgers, what's the repercussions on him? What's the repercussions on the, the head of recruitment, the recruitment team? And and finally, the board. What happens if we don't get the business done and we don't win this league? Well, here's the thing, though, right? People are saying in, in the comments, and, I, you know, in, in first instinct, I'm inclined to agree with them. They're saying, like, oh, there'll be ructions, you know, the board, God help them if we don't win this league, you know, but... Um, what happened after the COVID season? We all bought our season tickets. We all turned up like good little boys and bought the four tops they released the following season. Um, you know, unfortunately, this board have, have been taught the lesson that, you know, they are basically in an abusive relationship with us and they are the abusers and they can keep abusing us and we'll just keep taking it. That's the unfortunate message. You know, if we were... I hate to say this, if we were a bit more, how should I say, willing to withhold our uh, our money, then perhaps they might be a bit more amenable to doing what we want them to do. But the pattern at the moment is they make excuses for not signing players. As long as we finish one point ahead of Rangers, we get away with it. Even the one season where we didn't, we largely got away with it because next season, new manager comes in, new system new shirts, everybody buys into it. It's all about selling a narrative. And say what you will about this board, they're very good at selling the narrative of faithful through and through. 
which we are, but it's not reciprocated at their end. And this is just the latest symptom of an ongoing problem with the communication between board and fans. Yeah. <clears throat> and we've been banging on about it more so during the COVID season. But if you go right back to the early episodes of Celtic State of Mind, you will hear largely Kevin Graham going on about that. And a lot of people saying, would you shut up and stop being so negative and criticising Kev for saying it? Because when you're having a, a level of success, people don't really want you to criticise any facet of the football club. Uh, fair play, Kevin, he hasn't stopped moaning and hopefully you're, you're watching the show if you are. Uh, give us a wee comment as well, Kev. We'll be seeing you tomorrow, my friend. Stephen Sloan, Celtic are that guy that drives for months hearing rattling noises. This is me, by the way, <laughs> but ignores them. <laughs> then they finally have to go to the mechanic when the exhaust falls off and you're stranded on the side of the road somewhere in Dalgetty Bay, Lawrence. It sounds familiar to me. What are the repercussions? I was asking Liam there on, obviously, the, the league campaign this season, on Brendan Rodgers and his future, on the recruitment team, on the board. What happens next if this doesn't go to plan? I reckon, you know, Brennan would be gone. I think, uh, would those above him take the blame? You know, it's easy to blame the manager. And what we've talked about in the season, that there's a problem with the structure. In such a small structure at the top, you know, there's a risk having two, two people related, Peter Lowell and his son, the amount of power that, that gives to the Lowells. That, you know, how the appointment, apparently it was Angie's appointment. What were the odds that the best guy that Ange could find after scouring the globe and using his contacts in global football was Peter Lowell's son. You know, but to believe that at face value, I don't think anyone believes that. You know, party is because he, he's Peter Lowell's son. Is he, is he good at his job? On the evidence of the recruitment, it's come in since he was said the recruitment, you're saying that the products of the, of what, the work from the recruitment department's not been good enough. That is an knock-on effect on the team. That there's no doubt about it in the manager's ability. They work. We didn't touch on it earlier. You know, Brendan's got to get the best he can out of the players that are there. Absolutely. You know, uh, but there comes a point where even the manager's got to get fed up and go, well, you told me I was coming back, things would be different. It really just seems like more of the same, doesn't it? Uh, you know, you, you work to a arena, it doesn't really matter who you want. Here's your list, just pick uh, the best of a bad lot to come to the club. No, because I think when Brendan come back, they're all expecting a market signing at some point. It's not happened. Uh, what does that look like these days, Lawrence? What does the market look like? Because back in the day, what you what you're talking, a market. Well, virtually everybody in the first couple of seasons that Martin O'Neill signed would be kind of marquee, unless their name is Martin Your first eleven, somebody that's in the top half of your the starting eleven. That's your marquee. The weather. You know, back in Martin O'Neill, you, you were sending players that were standing at Champions League, you know, for us. We might no longer be able to do that. Can we sign players that improve their first 11? It appears that we're unable to do that at the moment. We don't under didn't we? Yeah. yeah. You've got to be signing players that improve your first team. Yep. And, you know, it's only Scotland we're playing in. You, you, you know, we've got more money than anyone else in Scotland. Surely we can sign the best players in the league or get the best players that were willing to come to Scotland and be able to do that even that's beginning to become a question you know so you thought Brendan came back because he had ambitions ambitions to do better in Europe yeah yeah on a points return basis better performances much the same do we get better points 
what were the, the board submissions in Brendan, Brendan back? Was it just to appease the fans? We've well, well, lost, well, lost Ange. What would appease the fans here? Right, we'll get a quality manager and that'll keep them happy, happy for a wee bit. You know, and if things go wrong, we'll set the manager. We'll just get somebody else. You know, you can't have 70 million in the bank be investing so poorly in your first team. But they do with the ladies' team as well. They don't invest, invest enough there. No, they do not. You know, mm-hmm. and look, listen, there may be a secret. You know, they may, at the end of this season, we might win the league and they announce we're building a whole new stand. New stand. That's what we've been saving the money for and we we'll all look foolish. But well, we won't win the league and then they'll build a museum. And you'll be thinking, could we know I just had a left back? Charlie McGarvey, uh, I, I like this point because, it, you know, it's, Blunt but true, Rogers can lose his job. The chairman and the, the head of recruitment are, are untouchable. This is the issue. This is one of the, the big glaring issues. And, um, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were hearing chants of sack the board against Hearts, for example. Ian, I remember the original sack the board chants. Two completely different scenarios uh, in that the old board um, were not fit for purpose uh, in relation to the way the club was run. The, the club was run shambolically. There was no way we could find the investment to. Um, renovate Celtic Park to an all-seater stadium and upgrade it uh, as part of the Taylor report back then. No chance of that happening. But um, there was an issue with it being uh, a family dynasty back then, uh, the the cronyism, the nepotism. That kind of thing uh, lingers at Celtic to this day, but in a a slightly different way. So when you've got Brendan Rodgers coming to the club, Lawrence has talked about him coming back in, you know... um, Sources would have you believe that he was Brent, he was Dermot Desmond's man. Why disbelieve that? I would say that that's a bit accurate. Um, so you've then got a chairman and a head of recruitment, father and son. So the head of recruitment doesn't do his job for four windows. What's done? Under normal circumstances, Ian, the person's no longer in position. At Celtic, we've backed ourselves into a corner here with the cronyism, with the nepotism. That's an issue, isn't it? That's an issue. And going back to the the point made by Charlie, it becomes a, an issue because there's only one head that will roll and it's Brendan's. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's true. I mean, I, I was, I started writing a, a blog about this and kind of, um, I need to sort of get an update and finish really, but it's kind of along the same lines, you know, and it's like, well, I think was it Brendan thought, you know, it's, it was a perfect storm really for him to come back and it was almost a given that he's going to come back and, you know, win, win the league win more and repair his reputation, you know, whilst he's waiting for a more plum role to come up, despite the fact that he said he, was going to stay, he wanted to take a year out. But it, it seems that, you know, even 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 um, Dermot Desmond's minions, you know, Peter Lawwell and things like that, it's, it's, essentially that's what, how they've been treated. If, 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 if Brendan Rodgers is, is Desmond's man, you know, um, I, I, it appears to me that there's obviously some friction between Lowell and Brendan from, from the last time when Brendan left. I'm only surmising that. We're just piecing things together. It just seems that that's, there's a little bit of friction. So the day-to-day becomes a bit more strained. Whereas, you know, um, if, if Devin Desmond's brought, brought him in and Law was actually going to sort of smile through with the teeth to sort of make that happen. Yeah. Um, but the, the fact remains that, you know, nepotism, I don't care about nepotism if it works. But like you say, it's not working and it's not working. It's, but again, is that the head of recruitment? You could put any head of recruitment in there, but if you've got his paymasters, the people above him, who have this strategy that they've worked with for the past 10, 15 years, 
it's poison chalice, so it's going to it's going to end in failure anyway. So I'd, I'd, it, it might be being a bit unduly harsh on uh, Mark Lowell. You know, it's it's I I've, I believe it's the culture from the very top. They don't listen to anyone else but themselves. They don't need to, like Liam said before about you know it's like a, it's tantamount to abuse and abusive position. It's fan action, you know, is what we need to do. You know, Rangers across across Glasgow, they did it. They got change, you know, whether it was a it's going to do them any favours, I don't know, but at least they voted with their, their feet, you know, and kind of, you know, they, they, they demand a change and they got change. Um, so I know a lot of people say, you know, be careful what you wish for, but we've, we know what we're, going to, we're getting with this, right? Um, and we're looking backwards rather than looking forwards. Um, it's never going to change, and it's and it's that that measurement in Europe. We could be if there's if there's ever going to be a some kind of breakaway league or European league or whatever, we're going to be left behind. With the very fact that we're we're so risk averse and we're not we're not, we're not going to attract the type of players that we want to attract to try and progress in Europe because they, we're seen as a laughing stock, you know. And for that, just just for that little bit more investment, that little bit more progressive planning, that little bit more risk taking, that little yeah. bit more ideas. Fresh thinking and and having having five year plan, having a ten year plan, and they look at Man City. You don't have to have all the money that Man City have to to be able to deliver on that. You just have to have a plan, a robust like Angie's like Angie's system of playing style of playing. If he goes to Barcelona or elsewhere, he'll take the system with him, and he'll make it work with the players he's got. So we just need a we need a change and a, a, a proper change. Um, I'd love new, new ownership, <laughs> radical talk, talk, you know, but it's, that's how I feel. It won't, well, I'm going to bring this up again because um, the the period of time where we really did invest on the park, the money was on the park, Liam, was hmm. at the, the beginning of Martin O'Neill's tenure, right? Whereby we bought big, big wages, big transfer fees. And people continually go back to that and say, this is the reason that after Seville, Peter Lowell comes in to tighten Celtic's belt. And he's done phenomenally well in doing so since then until today and it's difficult to argue argue with the honours when you start listing the honours, what we've won, what we've achieved. I think there's an argument every so often um, where you've got to put the money on the park and the after effect of that, and I spoke about this yesterday, is utter dominance for a generation almost. So after all that money we spent under Martin O'Neill, we have dominated Scottish football. I listed it all yesterday, you know, all the the quadruple treble, five doubles, five trebles, uh, 14 leagues out of 18, uh, Champions League group stage football five times and a further three uh, going into the last 16. So eight really good campaigns. A massive part of that was, you know, setting the standards um, to the point where actually during that period, Rangers went bust. And every so often, I don't think that's a bad thing for, for Celtic to really be a wee bit more risky um, not to the point where your your uh, wage bill is going to seriously harm the club, Liam. But at the moment, with 32 players on lesser, on average, uh, wages, you're harming the, the, the club anyway. Because, I mean, it was a smaller squad back then. I'm looking at Martin O'Neill's squad back then, and it was a much smaller pool of players that were playing um, a big number of games. So, you know, if, if you have a bigger squad with smaller wages the end line is the same, isn't it? You're still hemorrhaging cash every single week. Is it time? Well, the the end line is actually that? worse. The end line is actually worse because, well, <laughs> it's not going to surprise anyone. I'm going to use a food metaphor here. If you buy, you know, three fillet steaks or 20 Big Macs, you're paying the same money, but, you know, <laughs> you're not getting 
the quality, right? Yep. And that's that's the issue. You know, we bought just for example Martin O'Neill's time. We bought Chris Sutton for six million. Now, allow for inflation, whatever. That's probably a twenty twenty five million signing now, right? But when you think of the impact that one guy had, yeah, it was it was worth it. Even now, that amount of money, if you were getting a Chris Sutton type player, would be worth it. When you think of what he did in the Champions League for us, when you think of what he did, you know, putting us back on the map in Europe, that's the kind of. And back then, the, you know, the big difference was Martin O'Neill. I don't know if if this was because it was pre Lawwell or whatever. Martin O'Neill did not allow us to be compared to Rangers. He was always looking at Europe. It was always about how do we do in the Champions League. He came in when he first came in, he said Rangers were the benchmark because at that time they were. But from the season, we won the treble that season. After that, Martin O'Neill wasn't looking at Rangers. He was looking at Europe. And that was what got us to Seville, was the attitude that what happens in Scotland happens. We need to be competing in Europe. And he wouldn't have accepted any less. And unfortunately, we've now reached a malaise where we are accepting significantly less than that. Yeah, I mean that that treble winning season, uh, Liam. If you look at the the stats, eighteen players played twenty or more games for Martin O'Neill. Um, so that, yeah, they're, they're, there's a squad there, but a lot of them are kind of made up of young guys getting a game here and there. Eighteen players played twenty or more games. So yeah, we're playing bigger wages. The Chris Sutton deal obviously was uh, on the back of selling the Duca, so we just used that cash, you know, like for like, quality for quality, because. You know, say what you like about Vaduki, he was a quality player and he went on to prove that as well down south. But um, we're not buying like for like, quality for quality. And I think that every now and again, I think a, a club like Celtic need to behave like a big club and not to the point where there's um, an issue at the, the back end yet where we're financially insecure. Uh, there seems to be that overcautious nature. I want to talk about some of the guys who could be leaving the club, never mind coming in as well. David Turnbull, Lawrence Connolly. It's just uh, it's no work for him under under Brendan Rodgers, and despite the fact that yes, he is getting goals from the midfield, it was pretty clear early doors he wasn't the type of player Rodgers wanted in his team. Uh, Cardiff City apparently interested in the player, twenty uh, four year old. He can go and make a difference elsewhere. It's a shame that it's come to this. He was one of the, if not the best, young Scottish talents when we signed him. Yeah, I think it's down to work rate on the park and how dynamic he is. There's no doubt he brings goals. Would I let him go? Those goals go for the team. You know, with 18 games to go or something? Yeah. 16. I, I, I wouldn't be letting go just now. He's got too many goals, not unless there's somebody coming in to replace those goals. You know, we've got a striker who's a great striker, but he's not delivering goals. The second choice isn't the card. So, so where are our goals coming from unless we're bringing somebody in? So it's a shame it's not worked out for him. You know, even when Ange came in, I think it was down to the size of squad. He was played almost every game. Then once Hans got his own guys in, he was away from the first team, wasn't he? It's just not worked for him, but I'd probably keep him to the end of the contract. Because uh, what you're asking me to be losing him. Unless we've got a goal scoring midfielder coming in, it's going to, or, or even a, another striker, we need somebody that's going to score goals that's going to replace Turnbull's goals. O'Reilly and Atati came in two years ago, two Januarys ago, Lawrence, you're right. And that was at that point after the injury that uh, Turnbull had sustained. He never really became a regular again uh, from that point on. And his second season, uh, Brendan Rodgers' first half of his uh, his first season back. Yeah, you're, you're, you're losing goals, you absolutely are. And I know that Matt O'Reilly is increasing his uh, goal-scoring exploits this season. Uh, time to go for Turnbull, Ian, would you say yes or no? 
I, like, like Lauren says, I wouldn't. I mean, it seems foolish to let him go before the end of the season. You know, I mean, be, for what you get from for him, you know, unless it was a, a decent amount of money. Unless we look, another potential thing we could do is maybe use him as a make weight for a striker. You know, you know, like Miovsky or someone like that, or somebody else in the, the, S, the SPL or somewhere else that you know we could we could we could do like a part 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 loan. Uh, sorry, a part partial you know swap deal for somebody and um, to get get a body in that we need. I don't know, um, but I certainly wouldn't be getting rid of him just because he's, he doesn't feature because uh, another six months because he could. Like he's lot, he's he's he's, he's what he is pretty pretty rubbish really from well, what we need. But he's he's goals from distance, you know. He's, he's can't be denied. So you know he might pop up with the odd, you know, if we've got a, 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 we need to break a game, you know. It's and, and that that happens frequently, you know, against the sort of lower lower teams. So I'd keep him. Um, but after that, thereafter, I think, yeah, it's time for him to, to move on. Yeah. Scott Howe, is it Kevin Graham in disguise? We aren't signing anyone. Uh, Kev, we said at the beginning of the, the transfer window, we are signing hee-haw. That was his exact words. And he might be right. I've still got a sneaky suspicion we're going to bring a couple in. It's going to be loan deals now that we're looking at. Jim Monaghan, welcome back to the show, Jim. We have to be patient. The thing that improves our squad right now is experience, quality and key positions. If we can't get that done now, then loans are the obvious logical move. Try again in the summer. Liam, I take what Jim's saying here, right? Because we'll have moans. We have moans about the summer transfer window where we were a bit trigger happy bringing in all these players. And, you know, it's taken Rogers five, six months to look at them and say, this is not the quality I want. And that only works if Nicholas Kuhn is the quality that he wants. And like Lauren said, maybe Brennan Rogers has been more involved in that that process this time round. But it's hard to get that balance because on the one hand, we don't want us to be trigger happy. On the other hand, we definitely do want more than one player in. What is the what's the sweet spot, Liam? Well, it's like um the thing is I think we will bring in at least a player, hopefully two or three players. I think we'll, some something will happen tomorrow. Um I'm pretty pretty sure of that but I also think a few more players are going out that we don't expect because deadline day is like and again I'm going to use a food analogy here my lovely wife went to the shops tonight as she usually does on a on a Tuesday night and she waited until half six to do the shopping because the shop shuts at eight and from half six everything's half price there's these croissants that I really like and she got me two lovely croissants right but Last week, there was no croissants left because she didn't get there till 6.45. So Celtic are playing that game now. So you know, what did, you get? Going... did you get? Did you get an alternative or did you just go hungry? I got a bagel, so I was, I was happy with that. But... So you got a backup, right, okay. Aye, aye. But, you know, I hope we don't end up with a couple of bagels tomorrow night. I want a couple of decent croissants, to use the metaphor, to, to, to stretch it out to its maximum. 100%. Um, that's that's what I want, and but that but it's the same it's the same thing, you know. You're waiting for the the prices to drop because folk are desperate. One, they are desperate to get people in as much as we are, and also they're desperate to offload people they perceive as duds from their own perspective. You know, if we got someone who, for example, wasn't getting a game at I don't know Arsenal or West Ham or something, right? That's not a dud for us. That's a good player, probably. A jetty being the exception, but the um, you know, a, a a top six EPL team cast off is better than um, you know, is is better than a, a first team player from a lesser league, maybe, 
right? I mean, you, there's still an element of risk here. But that's that's what we have to look at. We have to look at players that are good enough to come in and do a job for us, but definitely, but probably not good enough that they're going to command a first-team place where they are, which is why they want a move. Because nobody who is playing well for Celtic, uh, playing well for their team, is going to want to move to another team in the January window when they're doing well with the team they're at. No, no. And we've got a list of players like that that were brought in. Mm. You know, even Carter Vickers uh, would have fallen at that category. Benkovic, uh, Denier. Players who you can bring in on loan initially, uh, which was the case with all those three players, who were never going to get a game for their parent club. But as you say, Liam, the quality is there. And yet Aye. you've then got the opportunity to, to bed them into the team, into the squad, into Scottish football. Uh, and then, you know, you make your call. We got CCV. We didn't get Benkovic because he was injury prone. And I think Denier's uh, ambitions were elsewhere. So there are there are a whole host of the, these types of player um, in English football. And that is, of course, the market that, that Brendan knows well. Are we going to see a few of them? Will you be satisfied with a couple of loans? Listen, I'm much more happy with uh, a couple of croissants than a couple of bagels. That, that's what I'm taking from today. Liam Carrigan, thank you very much. For that one, uh, Lawrence, are you concerned at the kind of change in, in Brendan's apparent mood? Uh, am I getting the old uh, body language expert hat back on here? He doesn't seem that chirpy these days. He's, he's seems to have lost a bit of fire in his belly. Yeah, I don't know if it's fire in his belly. I'm happy his mood's changed. That he's not happy with the recruitment because I wouldn't be if I was him. So, yeah, yeah if we'd have managed it, was, you know, happy just now with it. The way the recruitment teams perform or the, the rate that players are coming in at, I think we'd all be wondering. Yeah, you know, out the guys we signed in the summer, see if we'll, we'll lose them all, haven't we? Yeah, you know, the, that kind of impact on the, on, on the club, you're just going to move lost them all, would it really matter? Yeah, you, you know, you, I don't think any of them are standout players for us, which is, which is shocking. You know, it should be that hard. The richest club in Scotland, surely we can buy one or two standout players every window. And it would keep us at the top of Scottish football. Yeah, it would. What happened last summer? Who knows? But uh, no, I, I quite expect Brendan to be unhappy. There's rumours, obviously, that he is. And it looks like there's a bit of struggle going on in, on, on what Brendan means by quality and what other people at the club mean by quality players. But I said, hopefully, come Friday morning, we'll stop fully up in croissants. But we will see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before I go, you know, uh, a big shout out to Vincent McKenna, Monaghan boy over New York, uh, who was uh, chatting to because Monaghan got Dublin at Croke Park on Sunday. Highly entertaining game to watch. And to Robert, the, the, the policeman I was talking to in Glasgow City Centre, another uh, Axel viewer. Really? They, they, they are everywhere, mate. Brilliant. Big shout out to you, Robert. I hope you're enjoying the show. Listen, uh, we're trying not to make it doom and gloom. There are issues, uh, particularly with regards to relationships at the club, recruitment, and whether or not it's not about us just bye, bye, bye. We know that doesn't work, but we definitely need a few tweaks. We need a few croissants in the door before our next fixture. And of course, it will be against Barry Robson's Aberdeen on Saturday, the 3rd of February. Will we have a couple of bodies in the door by then? Whenever it happens, we will be on here talking about it. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Can I, can I just say something? Well, yes, we go. please do. Just to, just to, just to extend the, the food analogy just slightly um, in line with our... Uh, uh, I remember that the, with Billy Connie going about when he used to show each other their, their wee scrotums and their kids, say, last chicken at Sainsbury's. That's the <laughs> can be our transfer dealings right at the very end. So that, let's, let's hope for a couple of last chickens at Sainsbury's because that's what we'll be getting. 
That took a turn. That took a turn, Ian. Thank you for that. I've now got a vision in my mind. Superb. And I'm going to leave that vision with all the 1,200 Axon viewers out there. Thank you, every one of you, for your support. Please subscribe to the channel. Give us a thumbs up. Um, and there's loads coming up in 2024. Absolutely. I loved every minute of that. Thank you, Lawrence Conley, Liam Carrigan, and Ian Conroy for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Podcast Network.